Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. What? It's David Cox. And I'm Josh Matheson. I thought you were going to be sick. You just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it today. No. Nice big bit just... of throw up. I thought I'd do something better than that, but oh yeah. well. <laughs> Whatever comes out, innit? Right, so today we are looking at chapter eight of The Mysterious Affair at Styles. Last week, Poirot and Hastings were talking post-inquest. Basically, mm. Poirot was kind of quizzing Hastings, kind of going, so what do you think of this person's evidence? And what do you think of that person? And there was only one person who was telling the truth. And can you tell who that was? And all the rest of it. And then they started speaking to the Scotland Yard men. And we found out that there is a maybe a warrant out for Alfred Inglethorpe, which basically means there is a warrant out for Alfred Inglethorpe. And Poirot is convinced that it couldn't have been him and draw pulls everyone together in the drawing room for the good old stand and accuse. And which I always assume, which I always in my head, that's like the last chapter. So I was a yeah. bit like, Oh, we're all gathering quite early. But it was almost done as a, we're going to gather in the drawing room to get somebody off the hook rather than t- to accuse somebody for once, which was, yeah, that true. was the, kind of the odd thing about yeah. it, wasn't it? It was kind of like different, but hey ho, it's all good. There was a definite performance to it as any like sort of, yes. that sort of like chestnut halfway through. It was like, oh. <gasps> Yeah, he just seems loves, to enjoy pageantry. Yeah, he definitely mm-hmm. enjoys pageantry. It's even whenever he was like, "I'd prefer to operate in the shadows for a little bit longer, but if I have to be called into the light, then so be it." Kind of thing. He's like very OTT with the drama, Mister Poirot. But there you go. Yeah. So the chapter finished with the bombshell that Alfred has been visiting Rake's farm which we kind of all knew what was happening because Mm -hmm. he kind of dropped a hint that that was what happening, but it's been confirmed and about five people have placed him there at the time that the strychnine was bought from the chemists. So he's like that outlaws Alfred as the person who's done the crime. He has an alibi. And also what was quite interesting with Poirot is he was like, Alfred's crazy appearance is what makes him easy to pretend to be yeah i mean people can dress up as him because selling alfred see inglethorpe dressing up kits at the local fancy dress <laughs> well exactly <laughs> children go like... to their um comic relief and in, in styles as alfred yeah inglethorpe spitting is, image is currently working on an alfred inglethorpe i suppose yeah. it's kind of like why some robbers dress up as cartoon characters or things like that when they rob banks and things like that because it's like well we're looking for dastardly dan or like you know Dennis the Menace or something like that. It's like, you yeah. can just look like anyone. Yeah, I was thinking, and all the people see is the costume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we just need to find out who's been dressing up as Alfred, really, isn't it? That's basically yeah. what we need to find out. The whole thing is just a big old Scooby-Doo. Yes, it is. Unless I, it's going to be, unless <gasps> all theory, like loads of them been in on it. Like Hello. they've all been dressing up. Um, <laughs> what is it? I'm um, hot. <laughs> Fuzz when they all at some point dress as they've, they've all done it. Yes, yeah. it's just the one the killer actually <gasps> for the yeah. greater good. And then it, then the they play it back good. and it's different faces. Yes, yes, and that's what I'm hoping Staying for. Now. I'm going to be caught this very evening. This <laughs> <laughs> very evening. evening. I'm going to be really uh, upset if that's not the case now. If everybody isn't in on it, I want the whole family to just want rid of him. 
And that's what's caused this whole thing. Although poor Emily, at the expense of that, I don't know if it'd be worth that, but there you go. Um, right, so we dive in. Dive away. Let's, let's do it. Chapter eight, Fresh Suspicions. There was a moment of stupefied silence. Jap, who was the least surprised of any of us, was the first to speak. My word! he cried. You're the goods, and no mistake, Mr. Poirot, these witnesses of yours are all right, I suppose. Voila! I have prepared the list of them, names and addresses. You must see them, of course, hmm? but you will find it all right. I'm sure of that. Jap lowered his voice. I'm much obliged to you. A pretty mare's nest arresting him would have been. He turned to Inglethorpe. But if you'll excuse me, sir, why couldn't you say all this at the inquest? I will tell you why, hmm? interrupted Poirot. There was a certain rumour, a most malicious and utterly untrue one, interrupted Alfred Inglethorpe in an agitated voice. And Mr. Inglethorpe was anxious to have no scandal revive just at present. Am I right? Quite right, Inglethorpe nodded. With my poor Emily not yet buried, can you wonder I was anxious that no more lying rumours should be started? Between you and me, sir, remarked Jap, I'd sooner have any amount of rumours than be arrested for murder. And I venture to think you poor lady would have felt the same. And if it hadn't been for Mr. Poirot here, arrested you would have been as sure as eggs is eggs. I think you've chosen well there, gents, because that's the kind, it's exactly the kind of phrase I'd expect yeah, from a from a, from a 1960s sure eggs kind of, he yeah. He speaks a bit like Yoda, this dude, doesn't he? A pretty mare's nest arresting would have been. Arrested you would have been. Yeah, he's got, yeah. yeah his, sent, his syntax it is, is a odd, isn't it? I was foolish, no doubt, murmured Inglethorpe. But do you not know, Inspector, how I have been persecuted and maligned? And he shot a baleful glance at Evelyn Howard. Now, sir, said Jap, turning briskly to John, I should like to see the ladies' bedroom, please, and after that I'll have a little chat with the servants. Don't you bother about anything. Mr. Poirot here will show me the way. As they all went out of the room, Poirot turned and made me a sign to follow him upstairs. There he caught me by the arm and drew me aside. Quick, go to the other wing. Hmm? Stand there, just this side of the base door. Do not move till I come. Hmm? Then, turning rapidly, he rejoined the two detectives. I followed his instructions, taking up my position by the base door and wondering what on earth lay behind the request. Why was I to stand in this particular spot on guard? I looked thoughtfully down the corridor in front of me. An idea struck me. With the exception of Cynthia Murdoch's, everyone's room was in the left wing. Had that anything to do with it? Was I to report who came or went? I stood faithfully at my post. The minutes passed. Nobody came. Nothing happened. It must have been quite twenty minutes before Poirot rejoined me. You have not stirred? Hmm? No, 
I'm stuck here like a rock. Nothing's happened. Ah! Was he pleased or disappointed? You've seen nothing at all? Hmm? No. But you have probably heard something, hmm? A big bump? Eh, mon ami? No. Is it possible? Hmm? Ah! But I am vexed with myself. I am not usually clumsy. Hmm? I made but a slight gesture. I know Poirot's gestures with the left hand, and over went the table by the bed. He looked so childishly vexed and crestfallen that I hastened to console him. Never mind, old chap. What does it matter? Your triumph downstairs excited you. I can tell you that was a surprise to us all. There must be more to this affair of Inglethorpe's with Mrs. Rakes than we thought, to make him hold his tongue so persistently. What are you going to do now? Where are the Scotland Yard fellows? Gone down to interview the servants, hmm? I showed them all our exhibits. I am disappointed in Jap, hmm? He has no method. Hello, I said, looking out of the window. Here's Dr. Bowerstein. I believe you're right about that man, Poirot. I don't like him. He is clever, hmm? Observed Poirot meditatively. Oh, clever as the devil. I must say I was overjoyed to see him in the plight he was in on Tuesday. You never saw such a spectacle. And I described the doctor's adventure. He looked a regular scarecrow, plastered with mud from head to foot. You saw him then, hmm? Yes. Of course, he didn't want to come in. It was just after dinner. But Mr. Inglethorpe insisted. What? Huh? Poirot caught me violently by the shoulders. Was Dr. Bowerstein here on Tuesday evening? Hmm? Here? And you never told me. Why did you not tell me? Why? Why? <laughs> he appeared to be in an absolute frenzy. Well, my dearest Poirot, I expostulated, I, I never thought it would interest you. I didn't know it was of any importance. Importance? Huh? It is of the first importance. So Dr. Bowerstein was here on Tuesday night, the night of the murder. Huh? Hastings, you do not see. That alters everything. Everything. I had never seen him so upset. <laughs> Loosening his hold of me, he mechanically straightened a pair of candlesticks, still murmuring to himself. Yes, that alters everything. Everything. Ah. So quite a lot has happened just then. So yeah, I feel like he's sent Hastings to the other side of the the building, and he's knocked a table over, and he's like, "Well, you can hear it. You hear so it. That means that Mrs. Yeah. Cavendish couldn't have heard it, so she must be lying about having heard the table falling over." Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So it's testing everyone's alibis to the yes. very letter. Yes. Suddenly, he seemed to come to a decision. Allons, he said. We must act at once. Huh? Where is Mr. Cavendish? Hmm? John was in the smoking room. Poirot went straight to him. Mr. Cavendish, I have some important business in Tadminster. Hmm? A new clue. May I take your motor? Hmm? Why, of course. Do you mean at once? If you please. Hmm? 
John rang the bell and ordered round the car. In another ten minutes we were racing down the park and along the high road to Tadminster. Now, Poirot, I remarked resignedly, perhaps you will tell me what this is all about. Well, mon ami, a good deal you can guess for yourself. Hmm? Of course, you realise that now Mr. Inglethorpe is out of it. The whole position is greatly changed. Hmm? We are face to face with an entirely new problem. We know now that there is one person who did not buy the poison. We have cleared away the manufactured clues. Now for the real ones. Hmm? I have ascertained that anyone in the household, with the exception of Mrs. Cavendish, who was playing tennis with you, could have personated Mr. Inglethorpe on Monday evening. In the same way, we have his statement that he put the coffee down in the hall. No one took much notice of that at the inquest. But now it has a very different significance. Hmm? We must find out who did take that coffee to Mrs. Inglethorpe eventually, or who passed through the hall whilst he was standing there. From your account, there are only two people who we can positively say did not go near the coffee. Mrs. Cavendish and Mademoiselle Cynthia. Hmm? Yes, that is so. I felt an inexpressible lightening of the heart. Mary Cavendish could certainly not rest under suspicion. In clearing Alfred Inglethorpe, continued Poirot, I have been obliged to show my hand sooner than I intended. Hmm? As long as I might be thought to be pursuing him, the criminal would be off his guard. Hmm? Now he will be doubly careful. Yes, doubly careful. Hmm? He turned to me abruptly. Tell me, Hastings, you yourself, have you no suspicions of anybody? Hmm? I hesitated. To tell the truth, an idea, wild and extravagant in itself, had once or twice that morning flashed through my brain. I had rejected it as absurd. Nevertheless, it persisted. Well, you couldn't call it a suspicion, I murmured. It's so utterly foolish. Come now, urged Poirot encouragingly. Do not fear. Hmm? Speak your mind. You should always pay attention to your instincts. Huh? Well, then, I blurted out, it's absurd, but I suspect Miss Howard of not telling all she knows. Miss Howard? Hmm? Yes, you laugh at me. Not at all. Why should I? Hmm? I can't help feeling, I continued blunderingly, that we've rather left her out of the possible suspect, simply on the strength of her having been away from the place. But after all, she was only fifteen miles away. A car would do it in half an hour. Can we say positively that she was away from Styles on the night of the murder? Yes, my friend, said Poirot unexpectedly. We can. Hmm? One of my first actions was to ring up the hospital where she was working. Well, well, I learnt that Miss Howard had been on afternoon duty on Tuesday, and that a convoy coming in unexpectedly, she had kindly offered to remain on night duty, which offer was greatly accepted. That disposes of that, hmm? Oh, 
I said, rather nonplussed. Really, I continued, it's her extraordinary vehemence against Inglethorpe that started me off suspecting her. I can't help feeling she'd do anything against him. And I had an idea she might know something about the destroying of the will. She might have burnt the new one, mistaking it for the earlier one in his favour. She is so terribly bitter against him. You consider her vehemence unnatural, hmm? Yes. She's so very violent. I wondered, really, whether she is quite sane on that point. Poirot shook his head energetically. No, 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 no. You are on the wrong track there, hmm? There is nothing weak-minded or degenerate about Miss Howard, hmm? She is an excellent specimen of well-balanced English beef and brawn. She is sanity itself. It makes huh? her sound like a soup. Yeah, it does. <laughs> or well like balanced. a wrestler. So yeah. British beef and brawn. There's some lovely alliteration going on there. I mean, that's Rock how you describe the English rugby team, surely. Or making some sort of Brexit dog food. <laughs> <laughs> beef and brawn. Beef and British brawn dog bull. food. Yeah. Eat your dog right. Eat your beef Yet her hatred of Inglethorpe seems almost a mania. My idea was, a very ridiculous one, no doubt, that she had intended to poison him and that in some way Mrs Inglethorpe got hold of it by mistake. But I don't at all see how it could have been done. The whole thing is absurd and ridiculous to the last degree. Still, you are right in one thing. Hmm? It is always wise to suspect everybody until you can prove logically and to your own satisfaction that they are innocent. Huh? Now, what reasons are there against Miss Howard's having deliberately poisoned Mrs. Inglethorpe? Hmm? Why, she was devoted to her, I exclaimed. Cha-cha! <laughs> <laughs> it's another cha sassy commissar. I think oh, cha-cha! Put that into the mix. Uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it is at the end of last How have we not episode. mentioned this yet? It was I the know, highlight of my I know, it was oh, the highlight. Oh, is it real? I've not listened to it yet. Okay. Yes, no, it is tacked on the end. So if you do not know what oh, we are it? talking about... Oh, I, is... didn't know, I didn't know you'd done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it in last week's episode. It's at the end of last week's episode. So uh, if you'd like to hear amazing. David Cox's uh, Eurovision entry for 2021. <laughs> Calypso. Well, do you know, 2021 already happened, doesn't it? 2022. <laughs> Sorry. We're in the running. Took in me running. 13 minutes to make that. I was going to say, literally, we finished recording and I felt like I literally just stared at my phone after it and it, it, he'd already done it. And I yeah. was like, what is yeah. this? And how? How? <laughs> it was like magic. I mean, I, I haven't mixed it very well, but um, there you go. It's still a better song than uh, Let's Catch Up. <laughs> okay, over and out. I will, I will give you Cha, cha! Uh, cried Poirot irritably. You argue like a child. If Miss Howard were capable of poisoning the old lady, she would be quite equally capable of simulating devotion. No, we must look elsewhere. You are perfectly correct in your assumption that her vehemence against Alfred Inglethorpe is too violent to be natural. Hmm? But you are quite wrong in the deduction you draw from it. I have drawn my own deductions, which I believe to be correct, but I will not speak of them at present. Hmm? 
He paused a minute, then went on. Now, to my way of thinking, there is one insuperable objection to Miss Howard's being the murderess. And that is that in no possible way could Mrs. Inglethorpe's death benefit Miss Howard. Hmm? Now, there is no murder without a motive. Hmm? I reflected. Could not Mrs. Inglethorpe have made a will in her favour? Poirot shook his head. But you yourself suggested that possibility to Mr. Wells. Poirot smiled. That was for a reason. Hmm? I did not want to mention the name of the person who was actually in my mind. Miss Howard occupied very much the same position, so I used her name instead. Hmm? Still, Mrs. Inglethorpe might have done so. Why, that will, made on the afternoon of her death, may... But Poirot's shake of the head was so energetic that I stopped. No, my friend. I have certain little ideas of my own about that will. Hmm? But I can tell you this much. It was not in Miss Howard's favour. Hmm. I accepted his assurance, though I did not really see how he could be so positive about the matter. Well, I said with a sigh, we will acquit Miss Howard then. It is partly your fault that I ever came to suspect her. It's what <laughs> you said about her evidence at the inquest that set me off. Poirot looked puzzled. What did I say about her evidence at the inquest? Hmm? Don't you remember? When I cited her and John Cavendish as being above suspicion. Oh, ah, yes. He seemed a little confused, but recovered himself. By the way, Hastings, there is something I want you to do for me. Hmm? Certainly. What is it? Next time you happen to be alone with Lawrence Cavendish, I want you to say this to him. I have a message for you from Poirot. He says, find the extra coffee cup and you can rest in peace. Nothing more, nothing less. Find the extra coffee cup and you can rest in peace. Is that right? I asked, much mystified. Excellent. Hmm? But what does it mean? Ah, uh, that you will have to find out. Huh? Stop it. He's being so infuriating. Ooh. Oh, well, a thought is brewing. Well, what I'm wondering, Poirot said he didn't know that Dr. Bowerstein. Did Dr. Bowerstein take a coffee when he turned up? Uh, I can't remember. I don't remember if he did. I felt like he was offered one, wasn't he? He had a nice latte. Also, what you got to remember is, is that Cynthia's cup had sugar in it and she doesn't take sugar. So that would explain somebody else's cup being mixed up for hers afterwards. Maybe Dr. Bowerstein takes sugar. Bowerstein is like a sugar fiend. Hmm. I don't understand how finding out whose cup it is solves the murder. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it just tells you yeah. how many people uh, had coffee that night. <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> but what? What? I don't even know which. The extra coffee cup. 
Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm lost on the coffee. Like, even the moment when it was just like, oh, yes, your girl. This t- but it means everything. I was like, I can't. I know Matt, Matt had a hypothesis, but even when he said, I, I, was, I couldn't like, in my head, it's too much, too much like coffee movement around the house. I was like, I don't, yeah. know, where the, I don't know when the coffee started. <laughs> it's like chase the queen isn't it what they do with, with the with the thing Poirot, i need i need you to sit sit me in a room with a whiteboard and have little diagrams of the coffees and explain the journeys and then I'll yeah do but if he doesn't do that he just goes ah you'll find out i'm like well maybe i won't i need a full real-time 30 minute scene from line of duty with evidence yes. on the screen that's what i guess ah uh, that i will leave you to find out you have access to all the facts just say that to him and see what he says. Hmm? Very well, but it's all extremely mysterious. We were running into Tadminster now, and Poirot directed the car to the analytical chemist. Poirot hopped down briskly and went inside. In a few minutes, he was back again. There, he said, that is all my business. Hmm? What were you doing there? I asked in lively curiosity. I left something to be analysed. Hmm? Yes, but, but what? The sample of cuckoo I took from the saucepan in the bedroom. Hmm? But that's already been tested, I cried, stupefied. Dr. Bowerstein had it tested, and you yourself laughed at the possibility of there being strychnine in it. I know Dr. Bowerstein had it tested, replied Poirot quietly. Well, then, well, I have a fancy for having it analysed again. That is all. Hmm? And not another word on the subject could I drag out of him. This proceeding of Poirot's, in respect of the cocoa, puzzled me intensely. I could see neither rhyme nor reason in it. However, my confidence in him, which at one time had rather waned, was fully restored since his belief in Alfred Inglethorpe's innocence had been so triumphantly vindicated. The funeral of Mrs. Inglethorpe took place the following day, and on Monday, as I came down to a late breakfast, John drew me aside and informed me that Mr. Inglethorpe was leaving that morning to take up his quarters at the Stylite's arms until he should have completed his plans. And really, it's a great relief to think he's going, Hastings, continued my honest friend. It was bad enough before, when we thought he had done it. But I'm hanged if he isn't worse now, when we all feel guilty for having been so down on the fellow. The fact is, we've treated him abominably. Of course, things did look black against him. I don't see how anyone could blame us for jumping to the conclusions we did. Mm. Still, there it is. We were in the wrong, and now there's a beastly feeling that one ought to make amends, which is difficult when one doesn't like the fellow a bit better than one did before. The old thing's damned awkward, and I'm thankful he's had the tact to take himself off. It's a good thing Styles wasn't the maters to leave to him. Couldn't better think of the fellow lording it here. He's welcome to her money. You'll be able to keep up the place, all right? I asked. Oh, yes. There are the death duties, of course, but half me father's money goes with the place, and Lawrence will stay with us for the present, so there's his share as well. We shall be pinched at first, of course, because, as I once told you, I'm in a bit of a hole financially myself. Still, the Johnnies will wait now. 
In the general relief at Inglethorpe's approaching departure, we had the most genial breakfast we had experienced since the tragedy. Cynthia, whose young spirits were naturally buoyant, was looking quite her pretty self again. And we all, with the exception of Lawrence, who seemed unalterably gloomy and nervous, were quite cheerful at the opening of a new and hopeful future. The papers, of course, had been full of the tragedy. Glaring headlines, sandwiched biographies of every member of the household, subtle innuendos, and the usual familiar tag about the police having a clue. Nothing was spared us. It was a slack time. The war was momentarily inactive, and the newspapers seized with avidity on this crime in fashionable life. The mysterious affair at Styles was the topic of the moment. Naturally, it was very annoying for the Cavendishes. The house was constantly besieged by reporters who were consistently denied admission, but who continued to haunt the village and the grounds where they lay in wait with cameras for any unwary members of the household. We all lived in a blast of publicity. The Scotland Yard men came and went, examining, questioning, lynx-eyed and reserved of tongue. Towards what end they were working, we did not know. Had they any clue, or would the whole thing remain in the category of undiscovered crimes? After breakfast, Dorcas came up to me rather mysteriously and asked if she might have a few words with me. Certainly. What is it, Dorcas? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Dorcas, I've missed you. Uh, well, well, it's it's just this, sir. You'll you'll be seeing the Belgian gentleman today, perhaps. I nodded. Well, well, sir, you know how he asked me so particular if the mistress or, or anyone else had a green dress. Yes, yes. Have you found one? My interest was aroused. No, no, not 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 that, sir. But since then, I, I I've remembered that the young gentleman. John and Lawrence were still the young gentlemen to Dorcas. Call the, the dressing up box. It's it's in the front attic, sir. A great chest full of old clothes and, and fancy dresses and whatnot. And it came to me sudden, like that there might be a green dress amongst them. So mm. if you tell the Belgian gentleman, I will tell him, Dorcas, I promised. Thank you very much, sir. A uh, very nice gentleman he is, sir. And quite a different class from them two detectives from London. What goes prying about and asking questions? I don't hold with foreigners as a rule. But, but what? <laughs> She's a racist. <laughs> oh, Dorcas. I was loving yeah. you so much. And it turns out you're a UKIP person. <laughs> yeah. She's a massive. I, 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 I send them back. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care if they're in a war. They can all go back where they came from. Oh, <laughs> horrible people. <clears throat> I, I don't know hold with foreigners as a rule but from what the newspapers say i make out as how these brave belgies isn't the ordinary run of foreigners and, and certainly he's a most polite spoken gentleman dear old dorcas as she stood there with her honest face upturned to mine 
I thought, what a fine specimen she was of the old-fashioned servant that is so fast dying out. I thought I might as well go down to the village at once and look up Poirot. But I met him halfway, coming up to the house, and at once gave him Dorcas's message. Ah, the brave Dorcas, huh? We will look at that chest, although, but no matter, we will examine it all the same. Hmm? Brave Dorcas almost becomes slightly ironic with the voice that we've given her, isn't it? Yeah. A little it's like Poirot's slightly taking the mic. <laughs> yeah. He said with its fingers flicking into inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the brave. <laughs> and they've both been having a good laugh and she's looking out the window and going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we entered the house by one of the windows. There was no one in the hall and we went straight up to the attic. Sorry, they've just climbed in the wind. Why did they climb in the window? Uh, they talked about this before. I think it's like French doors. I think. Oh, okay. That's why I'm Fine. About. They talked <laughs> about coming in <laughs> the windows before, and I was like, mm. I would just imagine in Poirot like scaling the wall and coming in on the second floor, yeah, like. coming up on a train pipe. <laughs> yeah. Spider Man his way first. in. I have to do this. It is more impressive. <laughs> <laughs> it is more dramatic. <laughs> Sure enough, there was the chest, a fine old piece, all studded with brass nails and full to overflowing with every imaginable type of garment. Poirot bundled everything out on the floor with scant ceremony. There were one or two green fabrics of varying shades, but Poirot shook his head over them all. He seemed somewhat apathetic in the search, as though he expected no great results from it. Suddenly, he gave an exclamation. What is it? Look! Huh? The chest was nearly empty, and there, reposing right at the bottom, was a magnificent black beard. A great big bushy beard! <laughs> a great big bushy beard! <laughs> I, 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 this hot fuzz has just become like the sort of... Like, I know, the the <laughs> theme of this book. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully people enjoy oh, that. So there we go. So that, that supports his theory about someone dressing up as Alfred. Yeah. Definitely. And you just think like, uh, I guess that uh, you think, why would you put it back in the box? But then if it go, mm. if it's missing, is that more incriminating? But then, I don't know. Mm. And he's saying that John and Lawrence were the main two people who knew about the box as well, because they used to use it when they were growing up. So unless they've told anyone else in the house, then I'd say that John and Lawrence are looking slightly Dragged suspicious into the right now. Aha! said Poirot. <laughs> he turned it over in his hands, examining it closely. New, he remarked. Yes, quite new. Hmm? After a moment's hesitation, he replaced it in the chest, heaped all the other things on top of it as before, and made his way briskly downstairs. He went straight to the pantry, where he found Dorcas busily polishing the silver. Poirot wished her a good morning with Gallic politeness and went on. We have been looking through that chest, Dorcas. Hmm? I am much obliged to you for mentioning it. There is indeed a fine collection there. Are they often used, I may ask? Hmm? Oh, well, 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 sir, not very often nowadays. Though from time to time we do have what the young gentlemen call a, a dress-up night. Uh, and very funny it is sometimes, sir, 
Mr. Lawrence, he's wonderful, most comic. I, I, I shall never forget the night he came down as the, the, the Char of Persia, I think he called it, a sort of Eastern king it was. He, he, he had the big paper knife in his hand and uh, mine, Dorcas, he says, you'll have to be very respectful. This is my specially sharpened scimitar and it's off with your head if I'm at all displeased with you. I feel like a lot of cultural appropriation is about to come our way. <laughs> it, it, the floodgates have been opened. And yes, the I have a feeling that more. some offensive costumes may be on the horizon. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Miss Cynthia, she was what they call an Apache. Or, yeah, or, or there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, oh no. dear. This family would have been cancelled <laughs> so quick. Yeah. A Frenchified sort of cutthroat, I take it to be. A real sight she looked. You'd never have believed a pretty young lady like that could have made herself into such a ruffian. Nobody would have known her. These evenings must have been great fun, said Poirot genially. I suppose Mr. Lawrence wore that fine black beard in the chest upstairs when he was the Shah of Persia. Hmm? He, he did have a beard, sir, replied Dorcas, smiling. And well, I know of it, for he borrowed two skeins of my black wool to make it with. And, and I'm sure it looked wonderfully natural at a distance. I, I didn't know as there was a beard up there at all. It, it must have been got quite lately, I think. There was a red wig... I know, but, but nothing else in the way of hair. Uh, burnt corks they use mostly, uh, though tis uh, messy getting it off again. Cynthia would... Hmm. Right, there's a word here that I don't want to say out loud. <laughs> no, not in a million years. Yeah. Gonna We're going to change I'm the gonna change here. the original text. Cynthia wore blackface once and <laughs> all the trouble she had... <laughs> how josh felt it's funny how i'm just like just going like oh no everyone's gonna be offended because like, i'm so yeah. uncomfortable that's what it is yeah but yeah blackface never okay don't do it please sage advice there don't do it please moving on no so dorcas knows nothing about that black beard said poirot thoughtfully as we walked out into the hall again do you think it is the one I whispered eagerly. Poirot nodded. I do. You notice it has been trimmed, hmm? No. Yes, it was cut exactly the shape of Mr. Inglethorpe's, and I found one or two snipped hairs. Hastings, this affair is very deep, hmm? Who put it in the chest, I wonder? The murderer, you idiot. <laughs> the person that killed her. The person who impersonated Alfred Inglethorpe. Who else do you think put it in the chest? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Isn't it funny that somebody dressed up and then also we found this beard? Do you think the two might be connected? <laughs> <laughs> he is He is dim. Uh, he, this ain't for him, this career. I'm telling you that now. No, <laughs> stick to sh soldiering, mate. Just stick to soldiering. Do you think Poirot sort of sees him as like a work experience kid that he's just like literally had to I like bring he, along? That's exactly the relationship I'm <laughs> yeah, getting probably. from. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. gonna go. Poirot's gonna go to the nearest shop and buy some tartan paint. And that's <laughs> for a long wait. <laughs> I just, I, that, would, that would get rid of him. 
I feel like Poirot has to kind of just stick stick around with him just because Hastings is his in into Styles. If yeah. it wasn't for Hastings, Poirot wouldn't be on the case and wouldn't be, have access to the house or anybody like who's a suspect. So he does need Hastings because without him, he he would just get escorted off the premises. Someone of good intelligence. Uh, someone with a good deal of intelligence, remarked Poirot dryly. You realize that he chose the one place in the house to hide it where its presence would not be remarked. Hmm? Yes, he is intelligent. Huh. But we must be more intelligent. We must be so intelligent that he does not suspect us of being intelligent at all. I acquiesced. There, mon ami, you will be of great assistance to me. Hmm. I was pleased with the compliment. There had been times when I hardly thought that Poirot appreciated me at my true worth. Yes, he continued, staring at me thoughtfully. You will be invaluable. Hmm. This was naturally gratifying, but Poirot's next words were not so welcome. I must have an ally in the house, he observed reflectively. You have me, I protested. True, but you are not sufficient. <laughs> Great. It's such Line. a well-worded, like, could you imagine someone saying that to you? I want more friends. Why? You are you not are sufficient. Not <laughs> you are simply not good enough. You are just a number. Yeah. <laughs> you are not sufficient. Oh, that cuts you... really deep. That cuts really deep. That's so personal. It's it like your statistic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so going to so put that on a coaster and give it to you for Christmas. You are simply just you a fast chart in my mind. <laughs> I was hurt and I showed it. Poirot hurried to explain himself. You do not quite take my meaning. Hmm? You are known to be working with me. I want somebody who is not associated with us in any way. Hmm? Oh, I, I see. How about John? <laughs> no. no i think I'm not sorry. <laughs> this is great it's like how about one of the suspects <laughs> <laughs> how about alfred you know, it's like yeah it's like hastings uh, use your brain mate use your brain <laughs> he's like you've only, i know you've only got like one friend in the world and it's john but come on the dear fellow isn't perhaps very bright i said thoughtfully <laughs> i mean pot calling the kettle really, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> just because we've given him a sort of estuary accent don't assume his intelligence dude like you oh, know. Yeah. i don't think you've made a salient guess at this point no i'm not sure but maybe there was one or two which helped poirot but essentially yeah he's not really made any sort of connection no mm. the only thing that he's contributed to this case is his first hand account of what happened on the night because he was there and even and then he, it was by muddled it all up yeah, exactly. Here comes Miss Howard, said Poirot suddenly. She is the very person. Hmm? But I am in her black books since I cleared Mr. Inglethorpe. Still, we can but try. Hmm? With a nod that was barely civil, mm -hmm. Miss Howard assented to Poirot's request for a few minutes' conversation. We went into the little morning room and Poirot closed the door. Well, Monsieur Poirot, said Miss Howard impatiently, what is it? 
out with it. I'm busy. Do you remember, mademoiselle, that I once asked you to help me? Hmm? Yes, I do, the lady nodded. And I told you I'd help you with pleasure to hang Alfred Inglethorpe. Ah, Poirot studied her seriously. Miss Howard, I will ask you one question. I beg of you to reply to it truthfully. Never tell lies, replied Miss Howard. It is this. Do you still believe that Mrs. Inglethorpe was poisoned by her husband? Hmm? What do you mean? she asked sharply. You needn't think your pretty explanations influence me in the slightest. I'll admit that it wasn't he who brought strychnine at the chemist's shop. What of that? I dare say he soaked flypaper, as I told you at the beginning. That is arsenic, not strychnine, hmm? said Poirot mildly. What does it matter? Arsenic would put poor Emily out of the way, just as well as strychnine. If I'm convinced he did it, it doesn't matter a jot to me how he did it. Exactly. If you are convinced he did it, said Poirot quietly, I will put my question in another form. Hmm? Did you ever, in your art of arts, believe that Mrs. Inglethorpe was poisoned by her husband? "'Good heavens!' cried Miss Howard. "'Haven't I always told you the man is a villain? "'Haven't I always told you he would murder her in her bed? "'Haven't I always hated him like poison?' "'Exactly,' said Poirot. "'That bears out my little idea entirely.' Hmm? "'What little idea?' Miss Howard, do you remember a conversation that took place on the day of my friend's arrival here? Hmm? He repeated it to me, and there is a sentence of yours that has impressed me very much. Do you remember affirming that if a crime had been committed and anyone you loved had been murdered, you felt certain that you would know by instinct who the criminal was, even if you were quite unable to prove it? Yes, I remember saying that. I believe it, too. I suppose you think it nonsense? Not at all. Hmm? And yet you will pay no attention to my instinct against Alfred Inglethorpe? No, said Poirot curtly. Because your instinct is not against Mr. Inglethorpe. Hmm? What? No. You wish to believe he committed the crime. You believe him capable of committing it. But your instinct tells you he did not commit it. It tells you more. Shall I go on? Hmm? She was staring at him, fascinated, and made a slight affirmative movement of the hand. Shall I tell you why you have been so vehement against Mr. Inglethorpe? Hmm? It is because you have been trying to believe what you wish to believe. It is because you are trying to drown and stifle your instinct, which tells you another name. No, 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 cried Miss Howard wildly, flinging up her hands. Don't say it. Oh, don't say it. It isn't true. It can't be true. 
I don't know what put such a wild, such a dreadful idea into my head. I am right, am I not? Hmm? Asked Poirot. Yes, yes, you must be a wizard to have guessed. But it can't be so, it's too monstrous, too impossible. It must be Alfred Inglethorpe. Poirot shook his head gravely. Don't ask me about it, continued Miss Howard, because I shan't tell you. I won't admit it even to myself. I must be mad to think of such a thing. Poirot nodded, as if satisfied. I will ask you nothing. Hmm. It is enough for me that it is as I thought. Huh? And I, I too, have an instinct. We are working together towards a common end. Huh? Don't ask me to help you because I won't. You wouldn't lift a finger to... to... She faltered. You will help me in spite of yourself. I ask you nothing. But you will be my ally. Huh? You will not be able to help yourself. You will do the only thing that I want of you. And that is? You will watch. Huh? Evelyn Howard bowed her head. Yes, I can't help doing that. I am always watching, always hoping I shall be proved wrong. If we are wrong, well and good, said Poirot. No one will be more pleased than I shall. Huh? But if we are right, huh? If we are right, Miss Howard, on whose side are you then? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. Come now. It could be hushed up. There must be no hushing up. Huh? But Emily herself... She broke off. Miss Howard, said Poirot gravely, this is unworthy of you. Suddenly, she took her face from her hands. Yes, she said quietly. That was not Evelyn Howard who spoke. She flung her head up proudly. This is Evelyn Howard, and she (laughs) is on the side of justice. Let the cost be what it may. And with these words, she walked firmly out of the room. Did she just have an episode? I mean, that's just like, what did you imagine? That was literally this like This is Evelyn this, Howard. Yes, this is not Evelyn Howard. This is Evelyn Howard. <laughs> this is definitely not a costume. This change. is an art attack. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So she thinks it's somebody, but can't bring herself to believe that this person would do such a monstrous thing. So she's decided to aim everything at Alfred because it's easier, obviously, to aim it at somebody you don't like and believe that they're the horrible person. I love that she says it and then just walks out the room as well, which just makes it even (laughs) more bizarre and crazy. There's one thing that's done now. It was such, it was so extra. Yeah. It was. Quite phenomenal. It, I, I, I guess I wonder if there's been like theatrical representations, but everyone would probably clap at that point, you know. Yeah, probably would. I'm on the side of justice. Woo! 
And with that, was his eight. And with these words, she walked firmly out the room. <laughs> I did, yeah, I imagine like this, you know, yeah, arms like that. Definitely quite a muscular walk. Actually, that's yes. like Daffy Duck walks, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Very broad, I imagine. Yeah. Very yes. broad yeah. gate, high Stalking. elbows. Yeah, yeah. There, said Poirot, looking after her. There goes a valuable ally. That woman is things. Has got brains as well as art. Hmm? I did not reply. Instinct is a marvellous thing, mused Poirot. It can neither be explained or ignored. Hmm? You and Miss Howard seem to know what you're talking about, I observed coldly. Perhaps you don't realise that I am still in the dark. Really? Is that so, mon ami? Huh? Yes. Enlighten me, will you? Poirot studied me attentively for a moment or two. Then, to my intense surprise, he shook his head decidedly. <laughs> no, my friend. Oh, look here, why not? Two is enough for a secret. Huh? Well, I think it's very unfair to keep back facts from me. <laughs> I am not keeping back facts. Every fact that I know is in your possession. You can draw your own deductions from them. This time, it is a question of ideas. Hmm? Well, still, it would be interesting to know. Poirot looked at me very earnestly and shook his head again. You see, he said sadly, you have no instincts. It was, it was intelligence you were requiring just now, I pointed out. The two often go together said Poirot enigmatically. The remark seemed so utterly irrelevant that I did not even take the trouble to answer it. But I decided that if I made any interesting and important discoveries, as no doubt I should, I would keep them to myself and surprise Poirot with the <laughs> ultimate result. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, mate. There are times when it is one's duty to assert oneself. End of chapter. <laughs> I'm glad, Hastings, that you think you're going to do that because uh, I don't think any of us do. It's like, yeah, well, I'll show him. <laughs> I'll show the world-class detective. I'm going to find all the facts and I'm not going to share them with anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that, it's my football and I'm taking it and I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love how much you got burned there. It was so yeah. funny. What we've just been saying there as well. But also just the way he's like, you know, there are times to be assertive. It's like, you're not being assertive. You're being petulant. There's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two you're people just stormed like out the room and one did it with dignity and like power yeah. and you just look like an idiot. Yeah. And you've done it like <laughs> a little brat. I love oh, this, show, this 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 um, this book is just people storming out of rooms. Yeah. I, ha I hate this more. The thing is, I feel sorry for Hastings because at the end of the day, because he's the narrator, that's why Agatha has to keep him in the dark. Poirot yeah, is only sure. not sharing everything with him because he is our storyteller. So everything he knows, we know. So he can't tell him who he thinks it is right now. Otherwise, the book would be over halfway through. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah from so the perspective of Poirot, we'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. So you almost just have to be like, you have to sit there and just watch our narrator get abused by all the other characters because it's the only way to keep the suspense alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. It's brilliant. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs>
it does kind of make you go though like oh i got signed up with the loser do you know what i mean it's like can't yeah. i join someone else's team can i be on everyone's team the last team to cross the finish line <laughs> <laughs> so there you go so everling has, has obviously worked out who has actually done it apparently it almost seems like this is the speech that you'd get from Poirot if you did a Murder at Styles themed escape room. And he'd be like, yeah. you have all of the facts in your possession. Goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's very it crystal maze, isn't it? Like that yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah. I miss lagging off Hastings and actually I know less, know less as I, I, not I, as much. I There, there you I go. <laughs> yeah. I know less as much. Yeah, I can't even speak. So there you go. Well, I mean, the significant clues are obviously the beard in the chest. So we know somebody impersonated Alfred, the chemist. And who knows about the chest? Yeah. Bowerstein was in fact at the house of the night and Poirot didn't realise. And they, obviously there's talk of an extra coffee cup. So that's obviously significant in some way, but then and maybe Mary lied because she didn't hear the table yes, fall over at all. The table didn't fall over. So she I think she was up with Bowerstein. And I think that's oh. the reason why she was up. Well, she was also up and dressed, wasn't she? Um, yeah. I remember thinking that weird. She's another it, one lying like, she's being a cantankerous little so and so. I I yeah, think but she, she said, was Oh, out. my alarm went off at half past four and I got dressed. And I was like, What on earth were you doing getting up at half past four? No. And, and Dr. Bowerstein also just happened to be around and dressed in the Up and dressed, as yeah. Well. And they were, weren't they wearing the same outfit? Oh, I, I don't know if that. he was wearing... I don't think... I don't remember them saying that he was wearing the same clothes from the night before. I swear it said that they were both in, like... It wasn't hunting gear, but something Perhaps along those lines. They were just lines, something racist. Are you, yeah. are, you, are you suggesting they did like a posh and Bex and like both turned up in leather biker outfits or something like and did yes, a couple's, did a couple's themed outfit? That, yeah. Okay, right. Matching, I don't remember like, that. A kimono? I don't, I maybe I made sarong, that up. Yeah. No, I don't remember them saying it was matching. It, it would have been significant if they were wearing, if, well, particularly Bowerstein was wearing the same outfit from the night before because that means he hadn't gone home to change. No. So he was like walk of shaming. Which would have been yeah. very funny to have been noted had that been the case. But I mean, I, I I don't feel like we're any closer to knowing who. We're all still in the running. I'd say it's still anybody's game. I'd say, yeah, there's even it's an even killer, isn't it? I mean, that, yeah, done on purpose. I don't think um, to be. It's well, not no, even because I mean, two people have been ruled out completely. Evelyn's been ruled out completely. Alfred's been ruled out completely. So yeah. it's it's just down to the last what? And it ain't gonna be uh, four subs. Yeah. Well, she's not significant enough, is she? He's not really given right. her enough time. So, There's no motive there either. Cynthia, Mary, John, Lawrence, Bowerstein. Oh, that's five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Bowerstein's I suppose is back in the mix now. Yes, because he's he was there on the night. So actually, what's happened is we're I actually think, further away. We've added a suspect. I, <laughs> I think if it's Bowerstein, I think he's an accomplice. I think that's what I. The, I, only, the only the only way is he'll be an accomplice because yes. he's not got the access. Yes, it will be like if it's Mary, it will be Bowerstein helped her by buying the strychnine. Yeah. But of course, I, I still think there's a slim, granted slim, but a chance that uh, Nibs, Nibs, Nibs could be involved. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the mastermind of it all. Could you imagine? Oh, dear. Well, if you have any thoughts or opinions on who did it, you can message us on the lazybookclub at gmail.com. 
or if you don't want to be kept in the dark and you want to shine light on who has done it, thank you very much. You could do so on Twitter and our handle is at Lazy Book Club Pod. Yes. And if you, like Evelyn, are on the side of justice. <laughs> Hashtag side of justice. <laughs> tell us about it on instagram at lazy book club pod we're gonna go hashtag justice june <laughs> yeah <laughs> the month of justice oh <laughs> uh, you can also find us now on patreon patreon.com forward slash lazy book club pod and for this very small fee of three dollars a month you get an extra episode a month and you get access to these crazy videos where you get to see David nodding his head and Josh <laughs> generally making funny faces as he does Evelyn Howard's voice. So if that <laughs> interests you, you can sign up there. We'll see you there. Otherwise, we will see you next week for Chapter 9. Josh, do you want to give us the title? Dr. Bowerstein. Oh, we gone it, Naga Man. Spotlight. <laughs> I'm imagining this like Mr. Bean moment, you know, the spotlight, and then he hits yeah. the floor. It's like Bowerstein. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> Bowerstein looking dishevelled and muddy because he's just fallen out of Maybe the pond he's an alien. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will find out the evidence against Dr. Bowerstein in chapter nine. Stay tuned for that. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. I don't know. Come on in and join the show. Come sir, as dances, I don't know. Come on in and join the show. Saba, come sir, 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 come sir, come sir.